The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, it is uh, 3.05 and, uh, you know, once a month, our great pal Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joins us in studio for another uh, edition of Fit After 40. And I think sometimes as we as we share what's aching and painful, we're wondering if there is such a thing as Fit After 40. <laughs> <laughs> not in our life. Not in our life. In not right terms, now. Maybe. Um, t- Here, there you oh, go. Oh, there I am. You maybe we turn re- on that button. Maybe we rename it and we call it trying to be fit after trying 40. Trying to be sure. fit after 40. So today, <laughs> patello, patellofemoral pain syndrome. I'm sorry, what is it? Patellofemoral. Mm. That was knee very pain. good. Yeah, good job. Bad. Well, there's lots of causes of knee pain. We did. I think we talked about knee pain last time, so I thought... Let's talk about a totally different kind of knee pain. It would come from somewhere different than we were talking. I think we talked about the meniscus last Mm. time. So this time we're going to talk about the kneecap. Oh, I got this one too. (laughs) (laughs) The kneecap that's out of alignment of everything? You know, and it uh, definitely can cause a lot of pain, and it's called patellofemoral. Okay, also known as what? Runner's knee, jumper's knee, that sort of stuff. So it's an impact type uh, injury? No, it's it's actually a mechanics problem. It's more of a mechanical type problem where your kneecap actually has a, call it a position that it needs to be in and on the other underside of your kneecap it's basically call it male and on the femur it's female so it's supposed to slide on one another Ah. not trying to get x-rated but that's how we talk in the medical world (laughs) (laughs) nonetheless that surface is supposed to move on the other surface in a smooth way and what can happen is if it's off to the side a little bit and it's not able to move on the femoral condyles properly it will cause a lot of pain wait a minute what's off to the side so if the patella is tracking your kneecap yep your kneecap i see okay if it's tracking off to the side, even a small amount. It doesn't take a lot. We're talking about millimeters, but if it's tracking irregularly, then this, the two services are no longer congruent. You've got one side rubbing against the other, creating an inflammatory um, basically problem. Grant, I remember from way back when something, and I don't know if this is, if I dreamt this for what my knee doctor told me way back when, mm-hmm. is there something that your hip bone your knee bone and your Achilles all supposed to be somewhat in line? So that can, there, there's lots of causes. So for sure, there there's a, there can be an alignment issue with the anywhere in the lower extremity. So, you know, somebody who overpronates has flat feet, as an example, the, the position of their feet can create a change in the alignment of their, knee, their tibia and their femur. And that's your shin bone and your thigh bone. And in fact, that can cause a tracking issue. You can have issues with your hips as well that put your femur in a different position and that'll also stress that um, patellofemoral joint. So whenever I say that, I'm talking about the kneecap moving mm-hmm. on the on the thigh bone. And essentially what's happening is as it's rubbing and creating that inflammatory process, you start getting pain. So patients with this kind of a problem stares really painful, particularly going down, but going up and down can be really painful. Uh, it tends to grind after a period of time. You actually can feel like Rice Krispies. You straighten and bend your knee and it literally, some you could hear it in some cases. Mm. It sounds like 
literally that was the sound if you were listening that was not a radio issue that was <laughs> me making that noise or my knee um, the other the other thing that people will notice with this is you can't sit still for a long period of time so we call it moviegoers sign so you literally if you were to try to sit through a two-hour movie you couldn't you'd mm. be moving your knee around trying to straighten it out get up or you really just can't sit still because that inflammation creates such havoc in there when you're sitting still it collects and becomes really painful the important thing to know is that these need to be managed early because this is one of those problems that if you just leave it be, it can become a bigger problem. Over time, you can develop micro fractures in the back, uh, on the back of the patella. And in those cases, we have a different diagnosis then. We call it chondromalacia. It's just a name for that deterioration of the backside of the kneecap. And it can get pretty bad if these aren't managed. Then the good news is you can do things to deal with it and you can solve this problem. How do you find out about the fractures on the back of the kneecap? Is that through an x-ray or you is that just typically, some symptoms? Yeah. It, somebody who's had it for a long period of time probably has some degree of chondromalacia and then it all depends on how severe that and when I'm talking about fractures we're talking about the cartilage mm-hmm, on the back mm-hmm. of the kneecap starts to break down and then it's the degree is how we rate the chondromalacia so just because your knee's crunching and is painful doesn't mean you have chondromalacia. It can just be the tracking, uh, the initial signs of that, or what I described earlier, pain sitting still mm. for long periods of time, going up and down stairs. Um, but we do want to manage it. Another issue with these problems, or where these can come about, are from muscle imbalances. So as an example, I tore a hamstring on my left side, believe it or not, and the recovery from the hamstring was pretty easy. It was four to six weeks, which is what it should be. It was coming along pretty nicely, but because of the imbalance and the amount of stress I was putting on the other side, I ended Mm. up getting this in both knees. And I'll take a torn hamstring. If you're listening, I'll take a torn hamstring any day over having this. Imagine going up and down the stairs where both of your kneecaps really feel like they're just going to explode, and it's it's quite a painful problem Mm -hmm. to have. But again, there's a lot of things we can do for it. And any age can have this? Yeah, you betcha. It's actually quite common in younger people, um, especially with growth spurts and changes in um, muscle dynamics mm-hmm. and bones growing at different rates. So particularly when people are in their, their young teens, 12, 13, 14, again, if you're listening and you've got teenagers who have this, yes, it does. It is a normal part of growing up. Lots of kids have it, but it doesn't mean they have to. We can help them manage it. We can definitely get that kind of moving properly in a shorter period of time than rather than just hoping it goes away or letting time do its trick. But when you're talking about letting this go until there's fractures, mm-hmm. uh, how are you treating fractures? You're not. So what you're actually doing is you're dealing with that the alignment of the patella, get trying to encourage the proper tracking of it by various things, strengthening particularly the muscles of the inner knee, stretching everything that is on the outside because these typically pull laterally or outside. The kneecap typically if it, with this problem will go toward the outside of your knee and that's one of the major problems. And when we look at them, we see people with really tight IT bands, really tight, a lot of tightness in their, in their gluteal muscles. Um, and we, we've got to alleviate that stress on it and strengthen it. But at the same time, there's other things we can do to alleviate the inflammation. So the sooner we get that inflammatory problem under control, the more likely it is for those muscles to start working properly. Because where there's pain, there's inhibition. Where there's inhibition, what we're talking about is muscles that want to work, but the pain's keeping them from working properly. So if I elevate and ice and do all the things you're supposed to do when you have inflammation, is that just treating the symptoms then? 
No, that's a good start because, again, whenever somebody says that they're treating, when you're dealing with, the, yes, you are, but you're also getting to getting toward the problem because when you can reduce the inflammation, then you can start getting those muscles to strengthen because you no longer have that, what I was talking about, that inhibition. So definitely ice is a part of this early on in the early stages of it when you first start to notice you've got it. Ice can provide quite a bit of relief. Um, the elevation... Some of these get really swollen, but most of this is an inflammatory problem. If it's left too long, if you do start to develop some of those. And when we're talking, when I say fractures, we're talking about micro fractures, mm-hmm. little small deteriorative changes in the, uh, in the cartilage. Um, that is the, the inflammation is why you're getting the pain. So the sooner you can address that, the sooner you can get on to dealing with the initial source of erythrocyte problems. Do you find with this or just with injuries in general that people start to feel as though pain is just a normal part of their life or that they start to not feel the pain or grow accustomed to it and they think, well, that's just what life feels like. Yeah, you see that a lot of times with patients that that do that. That being said, uh, you know, the more active we are and we're, this whole show is about being fit after 40. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things and the reason I wanted to do this show is that we want to encourage people to be active and fit. And the key is... Stay fit, stay active, get your system working because the long and the short is your heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, spleen, and those kind of organs and the rest of our system requires fitness for us to live. Now, if in doing that, you have a patellofemoral problem, well, we can deal with that. Mm-hmm. That's not. We're, th- those are the kind of problems that are good to have because they can be managed, we can help you along, and away you go. The other ones obviously not the good problems to have. You don't want to have the heart issues. You don't want to have the other ones. So let's be fit. Yes, you might have to make a visit to a physio from time to time, but it's better than the other visits you might want to might have to make. Someone was wondering about glucosamine and whether or not that that whether or not that would help the cartilage in your knees. Yeah, so in some cases it does. the The evidence is mixed on glucosamine. That doesn't mean not to do it. And this is a philosophy of mine, which is with something that we know that there's very little. Um, potential for harm, glucosamine is a good example, then for you, it may be effective. Mm -hmm. Why? It could be something to do with our genetics, and that's why it works for one person, not the other. It could be a placebo. To me, at the end of the day, if it's effective, if you try it and it's helping and you're feeling like you're getting a benefit, and we know that the potential for harm is very low, then I think it's worth trying. With mm-hmm. glucosamine specifically, it's a precursor for um, the cartilage itself. Mixed, uh, Typically, people are taking it with chondroitin as well. But mm-hmm. that being said, you do need to take it for a period of time. I'm not a dietitian, but I will tell you, that in my experience, taking this for at least six weeks before you're going to see any benefit is probably the approach to it. You can't just take it like you would an Advil and think, <laughs> oh, oh my knee's going to feel better. Oh, my knee's it full is, of cartilage again. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. And okay. so that's kind of my advice on it. It's worth It's worth trying. I've had patients who've had, you know, ben- obviously seen benefits. I've seen some that have tried it and it didn't help them. Okay. It can also be the amount of deterioration. There's so many different factors that can affect it. From our uh, texting line, just wanted to give a shout out to Justin at the Windermere Leading Edge mm-hmm. uh, Physio. He's been amazing for me. I've had needling done on my shoulders Ooh. only a couple of times. No more pain. It's been just <laughs> unbelievable. And this one I'm going to leave to you, uh, Grant, because I'm not even going to attempt this. What knee condition is he talking about? He keeps saying 
saying this. I'm not even going to try. Oh, the, no problem. How do you say it again? Patellofemoral syndrome. Or so, runner's knee. Runner's knee. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, what we've been talking about, if you're just tuning in, is what happens when the kneecap is not tracking properly. The kneecap can track out to the side just a little bit, and it can wreak havoc, causing pain, especially with going up and down stairs, sitting for long periods of time, squatting, kneeling. It's the kind of problem that's going to lead to crunching in the knees. So if your knees are typically, that's called crepitus. If when you're moving your knees, you're getting a crunching sound, it's very likely that it's coming from patellofemoral syndrome. Doesn't mean that that's the only problem. It's not in its groove. That's right. It's go. not in its groove. And so, you know, what we do with it is we're doing a lot of work to alleviate the stresses, like I said, on the outside, those muscles that are putting a lot of tension outward. You do have a little thing called the lateral retinaculum. It's a little ligament that on some people just happens to be quite tight. So they have a higher tendency to have that kneecap already tracking to the outside. And those are patients that typically, in many cases, will actually sublux or their kneecap will dislocate outside. Mm. And um, that's, a you know, when we have patients like that, obviously the rehab's somewhat different, um, but it, it can happen as well. Yeah, that's no fun. 318, Grant Fedork joining us in studios. Fit After 40. If you have a knee question, let us know at 630-630. And you know what? As we always do, if you have a question for the physiotherapist, for Grant Fedork, uh, let us know at 630-630 and we'll get to them coming up. Grant Fedork is in. We're talking about patellofemoral syndrome. So runner's knee, jumper's knee, cracky, crunchy knees. If mm. you have such a thing, lots of text coming in uh, right now. Um a number of number of questions and uh, quickly about glucosamine again. Try it. it; it might help, it might not, but you have to be on it for a good six to eight weeks At to, least to six notice weeks. anything. Yeah, and don't expect to see a change until you've been trying it for six weeks. Take as take it as directed. That's uh, my best advice there too. All right, uh, the rapid round. Hi guys, great show. I'm 57 and very fit. I'm having trouble with my right knee and my right foot. I like to water ski and play hockey. Is it possible that my right hip is causing a problem with my knee and my foot that from Kelly boy Kelly boy it's possible but the only way to know is to have a look because your knee itself could also be causing the problem if you've got a dysfunction with the knee it can cause problems above or below so we always have a rule of thumb in our world which is you always assess the joint above and below because one can contribute to the other and so in your case certainly it could we'd have to have a look and see what's going on with your knee and make a diagnosis before we could answer that question uh, Mark from Drayton Valley wants to know are is your office certified to do needling on the spine uh, we do dry needling which is a form we call IMS or functional dry needling intramuscular stimulation so no injections of any chemicals we don't inject cortisone or uh, anything like freezing but we do use very thin filament acupuncture needles to deal with various dysfunctions including lower back pain and in fact it can be used in select situations when somebody's got a problem like patellofemoral syndrome because if the muscles of the outside of the leg, the what's vastus lateralis, big word for the outside quad muscle, iliotibial band, and a muscle that's in the iliotibial band called tensor fasciolata. If they're really tight, we can use IMS to release those muscles and take the stress off and uh, hopefully alleviate some of the pressure on that kneecap. The uh, big word you just used, Sponda, what was it? Hey. S this word here. Spondylolysthesis. Does that affect a repaired ACL? Um, the, a spondylolisthesis, for those listening, means that basically the in your spine, if one vertebra moves forward on another one, then it's called a spondylolisthesis. In those cases, 
you know, if there was, if the, if it was moved far enough, far enough forward that it was impacting and causing irritation of the nerve root, then it can have sequelae or problems further down the kinetic chain, and it may have an impact on the ACL. But if it's just there and it's not actually symptomatic, not very likely. Uh, mm. I had a full medial meniscus repair 11 months ago. There are varying opinions as whether I should be running. I do triathlons, and I hope to train again. What's your opinion? Uh, this would be an opinion on it. Um, it depends on the time frame after. If you've had a meniscus repair and you're more than six weeks past, there is very good outcomes for patients like that to return to normal activity and sport. Um, but we're, we treat patients based on their fi- on our findings. Yeah. So as you re- return to running, you really want to pay attention to pain, swelling, mm-hmm. the very things we would be watching, and slowly increase your activity until you're comfortable getting back to the level that you were before. So certainly you can do it. It's up to you. The long-term uh, effects of running can be hard on the knees, but certainly, certainly, you won't running, be the first yeah. person. So I've been told. You won't be the first person who had a meniscus repair and returns to sport. It it it, it does occur, and, and I myself have had many patients that we get back doing the very things they want to do yeah. after a meniscus repair. Out of Hinton, torn meniscus, three scopes, pain under kneecap. I have crispy popping, incredible pain on the inside, not the outside. Yeah, it's not where you're getting the pain. It's the symptoms that you're getting. In fact, this kind of a problem hurts all around the kneecap. It can be anywhere. And it's not uncommon to get patellofemoral syndrome from other procedures. And in fact, lots of times after somebody's had a meniscus repair, had their knee scoped for various reasons, the repair is doing great. But now because of the imbalance created, not necessarily directly from the surgery, but the recovery or from the surgery itself, you do end up with a tracking issue. Those are, those are things that we can manage. And in fact, that's a good thing. Because if after the repair, it's the kneecap issue that's the problem, we can deal with that. If it's something with the repair itself, that's not necessarily something that we can have mm-hmm. an impact on. How about this? My wife's knees always crack and pop every time she kneels down very loudly. I, I think the question is, if there's no pain, associated with that is there anything you need to do about that not no and that's typically my answer just if you're listening and your knees typically make a little cracking noise or even if it's a loud one but you're not getting any pain this is if any doctors cover your ears um, but (laughs) I call it good and bad crepitus good crepitus doesn't hurt bad crepitus hurts we deal with the bad kind so essentially it's normal to have things there's your next commercial Grant. <laughs> that's a yeah, just grab that sound bite. i know but if you get so if you're getting just put your hand on your knee and you're straining it it makes some cracking but it's not hurting okay. don't rush into the doctor don't come see us uh, unless you're having a problem then obviously we do but it's normal to get that to some extent we're pretty much out of time but i want to get to this one as well can you do anything for diabetic neuropathy and feet we can there are definitely some treatments that are available for people with diabetic neuropathy in the feet, everything from uh, acupuncture to various modalities that we can help use to help out, um, and it's worth it's worth giving us a call and seeing if seeing if what we can do. One more defective talus. Talus and both uh, ankles on a wait list. It seems to be about four years. Is there anything that can be done? Oh, you know, that one we would need, we'd need far more than the seconds that I've got. If you got a chance, send me an email at, uh, or just go check us out on the website, Ask the Physio. If you go to leadingedgephysio.com, click it. I'm the one who gets that. So when you're asking, I'm the one who responds. I'm happy to answer your questions. Again, it's leadingedgephysio.com. Click on Ask the Physio. Grant will get back to you. Um, and we'll talk to you again next month. Grant, thanks. I can't wait. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.